Hey everybody, welcome to Into Deep. I'm your host, Jack Rowland. We are diving back into the psychedelic waters with a trippy episode for you guys today. Today we talk about psychedelic healing in the context of 5-MeO-DMT, which is a bit different to the more commonly known DMT. It is far more potent than NNDMT. I've read that it's about four to six times stronger on various websites. And the experience is very different. 5-MeO-DMT is found in the venom of the Sonoran Desert Toad. The venom is extracted, dried, and typically smoked, and produces a very overwhelming psychedelic experience, which many describe as deeply profound and even life-changing. Joining me today is the wonderful Adion Asfar. Adion is best described as a shamanic adventurer and an entheogenic explorer. Adion blends together ancient wisdom teachings and processes into applications for a modern world. All right, let's get straight into it with Adion Asfar. Is there a point to all this? I think we're getting in too deep. Down apply. Bad luck. Oh, I have one speed, I have one gear. Go, 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 I'm good. Good master Jack. Good to see your face again. And, <laughs> Always um, good to see you, man. Always finally good. get get uh, get in a space, mic to mic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Huh, really, um, really appreciate uh, you coming on, man. And I'm um, really excited to talk about uh, this subject. Actually, it's a uh, it's a very interesting subject. Um, well, yes, it's, it's a fascinating subject, and uh, that's what's kept me kept kept me going with exploring this space. So. Mm. Um, so, I guess I'll start with, um, yeah, what is five meo DMT? What is five meo DMT? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, some people refer to it as the uh, the God molecule. Mm. It's got a reputation for guiding one into very tense peak states of what I would describe as unity consciousness. It's available in uh, a number of natural compounds uh, as well as a a synthetic version, which uh, me personally have had very, very limited. Actually, I would say almost no experience with synthetic uh, 5-MeO just because the first and only time I I tried it, it didn't quite work. Mm. And... um, and uh, yeah, so I've, I've really sort of focused on the 100% organic, natural, Mother Nature's creations, uh, predominantly you know, working with uh, the, the Bufo alvarius venom. Uh, that's, that's its most common natural form or availability. There's about uh, 10 to 20% of 5-methoxy-DMT uh, uh, contained in that. Uh, so, yeah, from from exploring that as a as a sacred medicine, I would say. And what what is that bufo? Uh, what it is on a the bufo alvarius, alvarius, also known as the Sonoran Desert Toad, aka the Colorado River Toad. I mean, these these uh, amphibians they used to spread all the way up into into middle California up through Arizona up to Colorado also down into you know this this southern Mexico uh, quite prolific 
iconography of of this particular bufo toad featuring in both the aztec and and mayan uh cultures so we know that it was it was pretty prolific uh, all even through the, the yucatan jungle <laughs> and um and it's only through you know modern colonization and through you know the use of pesticides and and modern farming agriculture that has really kind of destabilized the environment for, for the for toads to exist which has pushed them all the way back into the Sonora desert and a lot of people don't know that um, you know one of the the main reasons why bufo toads like the the cane toad that we have the bufo marinus toads you know they will they will hibernate underground for lack of water and lack of food uh, if there's ample water and food they tend not to necessarily go into hibernation so the Sonoran desert toad is notorious for, for going into hibernation for pretty much nine months of the year and coming out when the, the monsoon rains start coming through in July. And uh, it's more like June, July, August sort of time frame, the wet seasons where the, the desert comes back to life. But just to go back to your, your original question with, you know, what is, what is 5-MeO DMT on a molecular level? Uh, on the, uh, as far as from the human condition, <laughs> um, yeah, this is the same compound DMT which we as humans produce ourselves. So, uh, any analysis of you know spinal fluids and of human spinal fluids will show quite a large uh, amount of 5-MeO DMT, as well as as some of the more plant-based DMTs like NNDMT in the system. Uh, the jury is still out on the function and role of this molecule that's floating around in our systems quite natively. And to me, I see it as a molecular key. That's, a, that's probably the best way I would, would describe it. Uh, a key to open up uh, certain deeper levels of cellular communication um, when uh, we can we can talk more about the effects and and stuff in a, in a shortly, but but as far as what it is, um, we have you know, elevated levels of five MeO DMT come into play in our sleep, uh, so it's definitely connected with that dream state experience. Uh, there are studies and research materials that have been done on. Uh, the the levels of DMT five MeO DMT increasing. Uh, in the system, particularly of, of mothers around 36 weeks into uh, embryonic uh, uh, fetal development, uh, and as well at the point of death where we have that transition from, from life to death, uh, just as we have that coming in in the, in the fetal development at 36 weeks, we also have it on the exit yeah. <laughs> leaving the physical, coming into the physical and leaving the physical. Um, there has been some really, really fascinating research, which I have, have had some experience firsthand with uh, seeing the results of, of this kind of phenomena uh, of neurogenesis uh, in adult humans. That's the actual recreation repair of, of damaged brain tissue. Uh, of course, you know, like all um, entheogenic compounds, they have the, the effect of neural plasticity as well, which can uh, open up and allow the neurological pathways of the brain to 
rewire and and change energy flows within the the brain on a physical level so you know if you've been brought up with say a, a heavy trauma based environment uh, and your uh, brain development has been geared for fight or flight trauma responses survival mechanisms and then you find yourself in adult light settling into a much more calmer safer environment of life uh, you may still be geared for those responses and we see a lot of that sort of stuff in like with ptsd and and uh with with veterans and in that community mm. you know in the from world war ii they used to call it shell shock you know and um where you know sounds would trigger autonomous reactions and um, traumatic reactions relative back to the wartime effort or or in my earlier example you know certain things may trigger autonomous responses from the body into fight or flight nervous system disorders anxieties these sorts of things so when you know to have a, a tool like these entheogenic compounds to be able to provide a space of neuroplasticity to allow the brain to literally rewire itself uh, into a more present, balanced state, uh, free from, you know, those those traumatic responses. It's kind of like, you know, the old saying of the well-worn path. You know, we keep, uh, or, or, you know, wearing out wearing out your favourite vinyl record from the old days. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> the, more, the more you go down that pathway, neurologically speaking, uh, the more uh, wider that bandwidth is going to be. So when we're able to change change that that wiring and change that structure, we can we can start building new pathways and creating new pathways to more of our pleasure centers, to more of our, our creative spaces, to more hemispherical right-left brain synchronization, uh, you know, right down through the mammalian brain down to the reptilian brain. You know, it's, it's like creating those pathways for, for energetic flows. And uh, this is where I believe, you know, a lot of the, the ceremonial aspect comes into, into effect when uh, when sitting with these these compounds mm. medicines yeah yeah um just kind of talking about your question yeah absolutely <laughs> talking about the uh the road traveled or the path traveled yeah really reminds me of that michael pollan quote i think he just puts it so well where you know it's like um our minds are like a, a ski slope and uh the skiers are our thoughts and over time um they uh the the tracks are basically the thought patterns and over time those um, thought patterns and tracks get deeper and deeper and what psychedelics kind of do is put a fresh layer of snow over the, so the skiers can go ev anywhere they want which i thought was a a great kind of way of um articulating that uh, rewiring it's like a hard reset isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean even in in just that term you know the thought patterns mm. you know patterns are patterns because they repeat Right. And you know, so it's it's recreating new patterns, new pathways. Mm. So for I mean, hey. I imagine you know a lot of uh, a lot of my listeners probably are familiar with psychedelics, but five meo DMT is a little more obscure, and it is different to DMT. How does it differ from DMT in your um, just the kind of classic DMT? Um, yeah, in in kind of your words. Oh, look, as I was saying earlier, it, it's it's more attuned to pretty much our own natural DMT production. So 
on a feeling level, it can feel familiar, a lot more familiar than uh, NNDMT. Uh, I see NNDMT as as more of well, number one. It's predominantly plant based, so hmm. you get the what I describe it as like the peacock experience to start with, which is you know the visuals, the incredible, incredible you know fractal high definition, overwhelming visual experience. And if you've ever seen a, a peacock mating ritual. <laughs> where the uh, male peacock lures its uh, its uh, female female mate into surrender yeah. through this mesmerizing display of fractal peacock feather visuals. Fibonacci vortex. <laughs> so you get this. Yeah, that's right. The Fibonacci <laughs> vortex. So you get this incredible uh, visual display to to lure you into this space of total awe, wonder, and surrender. And mesmerized, it's like being mesmerized, and it and that as you sink into that and allow that to to <clears throat> overflow you or, or overtake you, that's that's where you get the the classic NNDMT sort of breakthrough experiences that can you know take you into you know altered states of reality, uh, <clears throat> interaction with with fractal entities, uh, other states of consciousness. But I do feel like. It's an experience that's almost experienced from the self and the, the other self. So it's almost like it's happening around you outside of yourself, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, totally Even makes sense. Even though it is all you know, happening within, but it, it's like being in a virtual reality kind of experience. Um, and, and again, it's, it's, it's plant-based, so the, the, it's no surprise that you're getting this incredible fractal display. When you look at the plant world, it's one, it's one big in-your-face incredible fractal. And, and the beauty of, of nature and plants, of their mm. flowers and their seeds and their blooms, and their, you know, it's almost like this, uh, this higher-dimensional reflection of that spirit, of the plant spirits. Yeah, that makes so much uh, sense. Whereas, I'm looking at um, heaps of cactus and, uh, and succulents right now, and they are all, all that. So, yeah, framing it that way really makes sense, yeah. actually. <laughs> so it is. It's like connecting with the spirit and essence of, of the plant kingdom and, uh, and the natural kingdom, where with 5-MeO-DMT, it's a much more inner uh, I, I almost would describe it as a, as a yin experience. It's like going going deep, deep within, into the emotional body, through the emotional body, through the feeling nature of the soul. Uh, it can be completely visualless for some people, depending on on you know how many times you journey with this this medicine. Uh, but it will take you into the depths, into the deepest, deepest parts. And to me, the breakthrough experience is almost the opposite. It's not going out of yourself and being you know, pulled into this, this you know, incredible fractal and, and becoming part of the fractal tapestry of creation and breaking through that. It's, it's almost like an implosion, mm. you know, of going in, 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 like into the depths of the darkness of the void and coming to that point of of unity consciousness and then breaking through in the inner realm uh and and again it's uh you know it's they both have a, a similar effect in that they can uh, most definitely induce an ego death egoless state uh carry you through to that unity consciousness state uh but for me and you know i've had this from 
you know, a number of people have shared a similar experience. Um, you know, I've had you know, my first uh, ayahuasca journey I did back in 2009 and, and, and loved it. You know, I drank six cups of ayahuasca and, and you know, three times as much as everyone else and, and was just really kind of having a beautiful time and, and very, very deep visual experiences, very, very insightful experiences, which... It didn't quite make a lot of sense to me at the time, but uh, it wasn't until the um, the integration circles a few days later that, you know, my I realised I was actually tapping into and experiencing other people's experiences in the circle. So I was I was having shared vision, hmm. and again, didn't this is my first time with it, so I didn't really have a context for what those experiences were about so to me they were just bizarre funny kind of and, and sometimes somewhat scary experiences but not scary in the sense to me on a personal level because it wasn't sort of relative to me it was like having a waking dream to a waking nightmare to a way and it's just being able to sit back and observe it but um i didn't have uh you know a, a depth of experience and, and even with in the smokable form uh of of having those sort of breakthrough, big epiphany, unity consciousness experiences, which was fine, but um, it uh, I, I found that the, the the Bufo medicine was the first time I had that, uh, and that was that was well ten years after after uh, oh no what was it it was uh, uh, eight years. Eight years later from uh, that first ayahuasca journey, so yeah. early 2017, um, yeah, that absolutely floored me. Yeah, and I was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> floored me in a good way. I was like, yes, <laughs> finally. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, but um, yeah, but it, it's it's been an interesting journey. But uh, you know, I I uh, I mean, I could share a bit about uh, just my, my very first experience uh, was an endogenous experience that I had in my early 20s. So I had had a little bit of experience with, uh, you know, uh, recreational psychedelics. And, um, but I, at, at that time, I uh, was, was uh, doing mixed martial arts tournament fighting. I was in my early 20s and, and was was training Kung Fu at the Wing Chun Kung Fu Academy here in, in Melbourne with with uh, Grandmaster of Kung Fu, William Chung. And I uh, was also you know, training Taekwondo and and other, other a few other martial arts just for sort of the tournament fighting side. And and I'd had a little bit of experience with meditation <clears throat> through through the martial arts practices, but predominantly uh, I, I was very fascinated with the concept of chi energy and, and what uh, Grandmaster William Chung was teaching with uh, with the kung fu practices because uh, I was you know I was practically a featherweight back then and um, and so having that extra kick and 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 raw power from from being able to harness and work with chi energy so you know practicing all the forms and and that side of things made for some pretty successful tournament fighting and um at this point of time uh, my partner and i we decided to get ourselves a a, a little kitten and uh, when uh, the kitten was got spayed uh, she developed a really nasty infection uh, and we took her back to the vet and the vet's basically 
cleaned her up and did what they could and they said but she's pretty you know she's pretty bad off she's there's a 50 50 chance she'll either make it through the night or or you know is it going to make it isn't going to pull through if she can make it through the night then she should do good so we decided to go on a little road trip just down to uh, a holiday house uh, down in phillip island and uh, <clears throat> when i got down there someone had left a book one of our family members who'd previously been in the house had left a, a book uh, about uh, Reiki and had these, you know, picture of these, it was called Healing Hands of Reiki. And it was the story of uh, Mikao Asui and how he, you know, went up Mount Kurama and, and sat and meditated and got the symbols of Reiki to do healing. And I'm sitting there checking this book out and it's like, oh, wow, this, you know, this sounds just like, you know, working with chi energy. But, uh, and, you know, Grandmaster William Chung had taught me that this, you know, chi energy can be used for healing as well. And so I read the, read the book. It was a small book from back to cover. And it basically just said, uh, you know, he, he meditated and he saw patterns and symbols and was able to use them as the form to channel his chi energy uh, into, into, you know, healing. And so I sat down, had the, had the little, my little kitten asleep on the couch next to me. I sat on the, on the, nice big recliner and thought okay i'm going to do a meditation and get some symbols and do some reiki right Great. that's what you do <laughs> and uh, again yeah i was only I was like 22 years old and uh thought i'd give it a crack and so i sat there and, and, and dropped into the space and started meditating and lo and behold i started to see these faint symbols not symbols they were more like patterns and and the more I dropped into them, focused on the symbols, the more vibrant they became until they, they became these very, very beautiful organic fractals. Um, and, uh, and it got deeper and deeper until the point I had a full endogenous DMT breakthrough experience, which absolutely blew my mind. Um, I... You know, I had the classic, I, I, I connected with an ancestor from uh, my father's lineage back in from uh, Alexandria in Egypt. Uh, two of my sisters who passed away very young came through and the message that came through to me very clearly was, this is your path. Wow. Uh, this is your path. You're a healer. You're not a, war you're not a fighter. Drop the warrior. You know, you've done that many times before. This is your path. This is your path. And the, the effect of that experience uh, was just so profound. Um, it it literally changed the direction of my life, and I became incredibly almost obsessive of like how you know no wonder people meditate. <laughs> I yeah. came out of the experience, uh, and there was there was a, a kind of somewhat traumatic part of it as well. But uh, it's a, that's a whole other story. But. You know, it was it took me through an experience of unity consciousness, which which somewhat freaked me out at the time, and uh, but it ended in just this profound space of expansive, heart opening, uh, realization, awakening, and yeah, I became obsessed with this with this state, and you know, straight away the next day, sat myself the the cat was fine, she she made it through the night. And uh, the next day, sat down on the couch to, you know, okay, let's go do this again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing, yeah. nothing, no, no patterns, no fractals, no breakthroughs. <sighs> <laughs> and um, 
And uh, yeah, but I, I thought, no, this is, I've got to find out what this is. And, um, and I began, yeah, began my, my spiritual journey and, and uh, the rest is sort of history from there. Wow. That's uh, that an was, uh, incredible story. Yeah. It, um, oh, I mean, I, I've never had a kind of a psychedelic trip experience like naturally through like, I guess, meditation. I've, you know, read about it a lot. Um, but I have had like, I think the first time I read Eckhart Tolle's uh, a New Earth or some, I think it was that book. Also some Ram Dass. I, I remember I had a really amazing, overwhelming feeling of newfound presence. And kind of similarly, I've been, you know, for many years was just trying to chase that feeling. I, I try and get in the same space. I try and read the same stuff. Couldn't quite get there, but it was enough to, it was enough to kind of um, kick you, kick me into gear with a, uh, uh, you know, many, many years of, of reading and researching about that kind of spiritual inquiry. Um, but your, yeah, your story yeah. sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I, you can get access to this kind of information, but it's, there's one thing, you know, from reading it and studying about these things. And then there is the actual experiential experience of it. Mm. Um, you know, I, my, my background, even just growing up, was brought up with a, a, a somewhat very strong spiritual bent. As I said, I, you know, I lost two of my sisters very young. I've got four sisters. Um, I'm the middle child of four sisters. Hmm. And my two, my older sister and younger sister, either side of me passed away very young. So I was brought up with this belief from a very young child that, you know, I had these two guardian angels that, uh, you know, my sisters and... And, you know, as a kid, you believe this stuff when your parents tell it to you. So uh, I always had this this kind of secondary vision or feeling of this spiritual connection with, with you know, non-visible spiritual beings. And, and, you know, I'd had some other experiences in my younger days. I had a, a very, very close near-death experience at the age of 13. I was, I was hit by a car and, and have, you know, full recall of, having been out of my body and seeing seeing myself smashed up and and this feeling of of just oh finally you know freedom <laughs> liberation mm. it's like i'm out of here you know and then it shifted very quickly to you know again seeing my mother there holding my my smashed up little body and and just thinking oh my god you know i can't do this to her a third time yeah and um and then yeah came to came to in hospital a few days later but uh, it was a apparently a very very close call and so i had this from you know even at, at that age of 13 this kind of just knowing an experience of of being more than just the physical you know and having you know a consciousness of spirit however you want to look at it that um you know more likely inhabited the body as opposed to you know the being being all all about the body and the physical and uh yeah and then having this other experience with the you know the the, the reiki session first reiki session with the with the cat really opened up really opened things up and um you know i spent pretty much the next uh yeah 10 years of my life uh studying from qigong i went from kung fu into qigong 
and from and then uh, studying Kabbalah as well, Hermetic Kabbalah and esoterics, uh, as well as um, uh, started exploring shamanism, and uh, that was that was one of the most intriguing. I mean, they're all pretty intriguing. They all had mm. they all had their their uh, elements for sure. But um, what I loved about the shamanistic practices, uh, very similar to the to the qigong side of things, but um, the shamanistic stuff seemed to have this incredible integration between spirit and the physical. Mm. So physical phenomena uh, was was a highlight of of that work for me, meaning that. Um, getting physical responses, you know, to your shamanic intentions, ceremonies, practices uh, that would that would show without a, a shadow of a doubt, hey, this this is actually having an effect on on my physical environment. You know, this is this is this is almost like like magical experiences. You know, which you sometimes don't get in just pure you know meditative states, visionary states. Uh, so that's that was what really got me exploring the shamanic path, which then led me to finding out about uh, ayahuasca and, and reading a little bit about DMT. And I remember reading about it the first time and going, my God, mm. <laughs> that's, this is describing that experience, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I put the call out to the universe and uh, eventually uh, went looking for it, couldn't find it, but eventually it found me. So I was pretty happy about that. Funny how and, that works, uh, isn't started it? started exploring that space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's... When the student is ready. <laughs> <laughs> totally. The plant teacher will appear. <laughs> well, um, so what was your entry level into shamanism? How how did that kind of how did that start um coming coming to you, I guess? What what was your were you a weed oh, smoker? Was it mushrooms or <laughs> No, no, I was never never into into smoking weed or anything like that certainly gave it a gave it a crack a few times and uh you know i was a professional uh one in in my group of friends that would uh you know green out yep <laughs> i was Same. a green out guy yeah. <laughs> we were like oh my god <laughs> although then i did discover sativas later in my in my adult life and uh, yep. uh, developed a new relationship with uh with mary jane <clears throat> but no i i got into it in in that time in my twenties, I was I was running a, a pretty solid corporate enterprise in the, the IT realm. So I was very tied up in in that world. Um, even like I started my business when I was fifteen, and and wow. uh, it carried through high school, uh, and um, and so I was very very busy with with that with corporate life, and. At the same time, just being a young entrepreneur and and being able to create my own lifestyle flexibility, uh, I just began from this experience. You know, I, I began exploring. Okay, you know, healing and 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 what you know what where you can go with that. The thing was, you know, and, and that that was the early nineties, uh, and and my my business was part of developing and providing a lot of the early first generation internet equipment into the country. So the internet was in the process of being built uh, at that time, <clears throat> and you know, having access to the communications and and information wasn't wasn't like what we've got today. So I really had no one to talk to about it, 
And uh, <clears throat> I fished around and I, you know, got on to a few different psychic groups. Um, I also revisited my, my core my core roots in Christianity and spent a lot of time, you know, because, you know, Jesus was a miraculous healer. I uh, spent a lot of time, you know, studying, restudying, you know, Christian texts, Judaic texts, uh, right down to, you know, Greek diglots and and as uh, the, the um, Dead Sea Scrolls and, you know, as much as I could. My, my family's on my mother's side from, from uh, Scottish-Irish, my father's from Egypt and so we also had a good body of, you know, resources available to me through my family as well from, from you know, Egypt. And I've, I've been, been over there quite a few times, even as a kid. Uh, so I just began studying on my own and uh, the shamanism came to me. It was part of a package I got from the Australian Psychics Association. Right? <laughs> they sent out this, this psychic training course and you know on tape you know on cassette tape yeah, yeah. and um and one of the one of the practices in there was a was a meditation to call in a totem animal guide and and i thought oh, yeah, i'll give this a go you know and i was living in the city in in north melbourne uh kensington area at the time and um and sat down and, and did this meditation and, and, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, what, what power totem animal am I going to get? You know, maybe a you know, tiger or a lion or something. And, and I, I got rabbit. So rabbit. rabbit came through and I was really disappointed in that. <laughs> <laughs> but it came through and it came through very strong. I tried to push it away and wait for the tiger or the jaguar to show up and yeah, no, yeah. rabbit came back, just kept coming through, coming through. Hey, at least you weren't but like a, a really sea cucumber or something. Little... Oh, no, yeah, that's right, sea cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> I know a few sea cucumbers. <laughs> they're, they're, they're prickly people. <laughs> but um, anyway, I did this, I did this uh, little meditation and then followed through as a week-long process of a, of a, a totem calling and integration. And, and as I began meditating on the totem of rabbit, um, you know, it was it was teaching. It was that that what it was trying to teach me was presence, presence and awareness, presence and awareness. To be still, be present, to be aware, to be alert. <clears throat> and um, you know, in my lifestyle, I was very busy doing a lot of different things. So it was kind of reminding me just to just to stop, sit still, and and just to be present. And in this uh, in this process, they said, you know, by the seventh day of of doing this daily meditation, the 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 totem will you know ex reveal itself to you in some way to show you that the connection and that the the energy of the totems being integrated and and the connections established and um as i said at the time i was living in the city and um on the the seventh day i kind of lost track of it I just was doing the meditation each day and my partner and i went out to dinner with my my sister and my older my younger sister but then and um and yeah, as we left her house and stepped out onto the street, this rabbit jumped out in front of us on the on the sidewalk. I'm like, oh my god, it's my rabbit! <laughs> it's my totem, you know. And I told my partner this; she knew what I was doing, and she's like, oh, well, you know, she was freaked out as well. We you know we'd been living there for nearly eighteen months and you know never seen a rabbit mm. in the city, and um, 
so we we thought let's follow the rabbit you know and <laughs> and it bounced off and and we followed it and bounced off and we followed it and it literally would go ahead stop wait for us to catch up go ahead stop and it literally guided us right back to our house and and just across the laneway from our house there was a um a, a vacant block that had just been cleared for building some townhouses on it and it led us into this block and we we walked into the block and um and we stopped and looked around we counted 33 rabbits wow <laughs> literally across the road from across the laneway not even a road across a laneway a bike laneway and um and uh Holy both shit. of us were like wow this this shit's legit. <laughs> I think, <laughs> think, think totem, totem connection established. But um, wow. it was from that, that little kind of bit of magic. I mean, however you want to look at it, synchronicities, yeah. just whatever, coincidence. To me, it was, it was. hey, you know, seven days of meditating on the rabbit, seventh day went to get a get an example of, a, you know, the, the totem presenting itself. And we had 33 of them show up. Wow, and uh, yeah, I just, I just was like, no, this is wow, this is amazing, and and it and it made me take it a lot more seriously, you know. Mm. Like, okay, how am I not being present in my life, you know? And um, and it had taught me to to slow down more, and at the same time, you know, focus focus much more on on that work, and you know, I'm from my experiences, I I like to have that physical you know that real physical um uh connection you know I, I, I don't want to be just kind of deluding myself or you know just going into realms of imagination but you know i work in that space to to for results you know and for for deep results and powerful results and you know from that time going forward i began to fuse a lot of my practices together um and you know, then that led me into uh, working with plant medicines, um, which, you know, back in, in 2009, as I said, and this was just as, you know, plant medicines were starting to become more and more available uh, in Australia. And then um, uh, being introduced uh, to, to NMDMT as a, as a smokable form and exploring that uh it it began to really open up i saw you know these these are other teachers and you know just like i had a teacher for um you know my my kung fu and and my qigong and and my uh, my kabbalah and and these other traditions i started to see the real value as these these master plants as as teachers and um and then when i went to the to the us went went over there for the eclipse in 2017 um after you know had been uh exploring ayahuasca and and dmt for about five six years before that and then 2017 yeah it was just by chance just ran into a a a bufo facilitator who who took me on a journey with that and that that experience uh you know, you've probably heard it described before, but being, you know, taken through into that space of samadhi, unity consciousness, straight to the, the top of the mountain, so to speak, um, was was incredibly profound. I thought, okay, I want to I want to explore this more. 
because everything I've done in my traditional training has always been, it came with the intention of how can we learn to get to these states Mm. ourselves? And what I found with these these teachers and guides, plant teacher guides and, and, you know, medicine guides is they are they are teaching us how to how to get to these states um, and kind of setting new new um, what would be the word like setting the bar of where we can go and giving us an experimental uh, experience that can show you this is what human consciousness is capable of. So it it. Uh, you know, I've been working a lot with with that that medicine, and also exploring different processes that can get you there outside of the medicine space. When I actually went and did, uh, I sat with the the Kumak, uh, in Sonora Desert, went and spent some time with them. Um, not long after this this experience in 2017, uh, and um, went through a series of their initiations and. You know the 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 message that kept coming through uh, was really quite beautiful because it was like spoken uh, spoken through you know the, the traditional indigenous Seri language translated into Spanish, translated from Spanish into English, and the medicine the the message was you know you are the medicine, you are the medicine, you are the medicine, and you know in many ways we are you know we we produce this ourselves and we have the capacity to. But then the weeks following, and again, this, this, this experience lasted for a week after I left the desert at that time and uh, went up, was uh, running a, a workshop and retreat up at Mount Shasta and was up there for a week. And every morning I had the same dream of being back in ceremony with the Kumak and doing the ceremony, doing the journey, having the experience. And instead of going through the ego death, dissolving out into unity consciousness, coming back, but instead of waking up on the Baja Gulf of California, I was waking up in bed with this message saying, you are the medicine. And this happened every day for a week. Like it was, wasn't a lucid dream. I thought I was there. Mm. <laughs> I was like mm. literally dreaming of being in ceremony. And the experience was the same. Wow. And uh, after this went on and I just remember thinking, Far out, you know, is, is this going to be the rest of my life? If so, life's going to be great. <laughs> you know, what a great way to start the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, through unity consciousness out the other side. So this this uh, was after the first buf- bufo um, uh, ceremony. It lasted for a week of this kind of high. No, this this was after an intensive. I went and spent um, a good solid week. Uh, down with the with the Kumak, right. their, Sorry. their tribe yeah, yeah, on the yeah. west coast of, of the Sonora Desert. Yep. And prior to that, this this particular facilitator, mm. um, I spent some more time working with her. She was a she she trained with Dr. Jerry, one of Dr. Jerry's students who wrote the God Molecule. Uh, so yes, yeah, spent a, a fair bit of time, you know, exploring the space uh, with her as well. And um, but yeah, that that then led me to to Mexico and and uh, mm. trekking through the Sonora Desert, wow, out to the out to the tribes, which was was phenomenal. Mm. But yeah, so after that that solid intensive with them, um, yeah, coming out the other side of it, it just it just kept kept going. And I, I mean, it's it's described. You know, since then I've I've done you know well over a thousand journeys in this space and. 
and sat in many different circles, many different people uh, all over the world. And um, uh, it's it's super common. We call them like reactivations where you will have reactivations into that space. And it also is an incredible you know, teacher to show you how you, you know, physically release trauma out of the body. Um, and the the journey space, it, it changes. Uh, in the early days of doing the work, I, I never used to work with intentions into the space. Uh, it was more like subconscious intentions, I think, were driving the experience. Um, and also the medicine, the, the spirit of it has its own unique intelligence of, of how people, the, the journeys that people have. And each one is like, it's like going through a book or it's like going through a journey of life. You know, each one sort of picks off where it picks up from where the last one left off. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of, I've, I've heard and, uh, and a lot of people sort of expressing, well, why would you need to keep going there? Why, you know, once you get to the top of that mountain and have that experience, why, why go back and, and, um, and, I think I think in in one of the conversations we had earlier, you know, you mentioned, well, you know, if you had a hotline to God, wouldn't you want to speak to him a few times? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's that, you know, there's there is that, but it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. Uh, once you start really exploring the depths of this work and what it can do, there are there are two sides of this, and you know, one is a profound healing profound healing for for people both emotionally mentally spiritually and physically mm. and i've seen that firsthand over and over and over and over again um and the other side of it is the exploration of okay what happens when you go through that healing process enough times and and release and clear and 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 what what comes after that you know what comes after a unity consciousness experience what comes after an ego death experience you know what more is there and my answer to that is we live in a multi-dimensional infinite universe that's what's more after there <laughs> there is <laughs> this this experience never ceases to amaze me and it continues to surprise me what it can show you on so many different multi-dimensional levels aspects of ourselves in the sense of of the human condition, uh, of what I believe we are, you know, evolving into and moving into. I see the human experience as it is right now in this present state, a um, a transitional period into into something something more and something more after that and something more after that. You know, we are we are evolving consciously, and these teachers uh, are here at this time in history have resurfaced. You know, I mean, even Wachuma and Parody, you know, they only came back onto the scene out of obscurity, you know, in the in the uh, late eighties. Um, ayahuasca and and you know these the the jungle medicines, you know, only in, in the the last twenty years. Um, you know, the, the Parody knowledge was lost because of the annihilation of the the tribes uh, that carried their their wisdom. It wasn't until many many years later. Uh, and the same with the the Bufo medicine of the the Sonoran Desert tribes. You know they were classified extinct in the 1930s. Mm. The Spanish used to hunt them with bounties on their heads just to wipe them out because they were indigenous to to clear them out. So they they escaped and hid in the deserts. But in that process, they lost their medicine people. They lost their chiefs. They lost their wisdom keepers, and they lost the knowledge. Uh, and now we have this resurgence 
you know, coming back at this critical, critical time in history to do the healing, you know, mm. that's much, much needed, particularly in Western culture, uh, and, um, and also to provide some hope and insight into the true nature of our, of our eternal selves. Mm. Yes, it's, fa it's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating work. Yeah. yeah, on on the kind of the healing side of, I mean, psychedelics on the whole, but also I guess in the context of of Bufo, what what are what is kind of happening that's making like in your interpretation, what's happening that's enabling people to heal? Like, what what's the kind of what's the experience that actually makes it different from a wonderful uh, you know kind of drug experience where you're seeing cool things and and wow what an amazing ride we're on that actually um the difference between that and actually making it this deeply personal transformational experience what are some either personal mm. experiences you've had or or witnessed yeah um first i mean putting it into the context of say, Western medicine, drug experiences or um, uh, psychedelic experiences. You know, we all know friends of ours who have had a bad trip. You know, um, psychedelics uh, are, are touchy for some people. You know, they don't, they don't guarantee a good trip. Um, I, you know, have a bit of a saying of, of there's no such thing as a bad trip. All trips are good trips. Um, but it's how you, how you can integrate the experience and in Western medicine, you know, we, we take drugs to make ourselves feel better, to null the pain, to, um, uh, for want of a better word, kind of suppress uh, the emotions and use raw chemistry to, to bring ourselves into balance. Whereas, you know, these, these traditional medicines, and, and essentially that's what they are, medicines not just for the, for the physical but for the mind, for the body and for the spirit, uh, they almost work in an opposite way. It's like, you know, do the work and enjoy a pain-free life for the rest of your life as opposed to don't do the work and suppress the pain for the rest of your life um, in the, the Western approach, you know. So the healing side of it, how how I see it works, I, I really from from you know the years of, of exploring this and and the the many many journeys and circles I've, I've worked with, see that we we store a lot of our trauma, we store a lot of our emotion, uh, you know our good emotions, our loved up emotions, our 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 different emotional states. Uh, are anchored into the body. They get anchored into the body. And when you think of like genetics uh, as a as a recording tool, as a as a, a way that we can pass on information to our offspring on a biological level for survival, uh, we we integrate our life experiences through the body. You know, I really see the the brain as as the you know, the, the, the processor of a biological computer and, you know, the, the hard drive per se is every, every strand of DNA in our system, um, storing that information that can be passed on to our, our offspring on a physical level. And then we have our consciousness. And so what these, what these states do, in particular with, with the, the BUFO and the 5-MeO molecule key, it's like a, a molecular signature to the body and to the cells to say, okay, it's time to let go. It's time to release. 
to release all this this energy. And when you think about, you know, the levels of DMT being elevated at that point of transition from life to death, uh, people can have, and I say this in the sense of if you're lucky enough, which is very common with the, the Bufo experience, to have a, an ego death experience, which is essentially like an induced near-death experience. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not a real ego death unless you really believe you're dying and you've died, yeah. which can be terrifying. Yeah. Very, very scary for people the first time, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, you know, you say to people before they go into this, you know, this is, this is something that, that you may experience. And, you know, but also this is a state where, you know, Zen Buddhist monks sit on mountaintops for a lifetime trying to get to. So if you have the, if you are given this experience, take it as a gift and to to trust in the process and allow it to allow it to to carry you through the experience. Um, and it's it's in that experience where the healing takes place because suddenly we have this, what can appear as as a traumatic uh, or cathartic release of energy. And tell you what, everyone dies differently. It's one thing you learn from from you know witnessing and and seeing this this in, in process. Uh, it can be released through through verbalization, through tears, through screaming, through physical movement. Uh, <clears throat> that does require a, a facilitator, you know, one on one to really work with with you. I remember um, I remember this great uh, story James Orock shared at one of the conferences. Uh, author of Tryptamine Palace, he's, he's passed away now, bless him. But um, you know, he shared his first 5-MeO-DMT experience with, with the Bufo. And he's like, oh, he goes, do we really need to have facilitators? You know, he goes, I remember my first time, I was in my apartment with my two best friends, you know, had a big, big pipe of this and chugged it down and, and don't know what happened, but I just remember coming to, screaming, naked, <laughs> and I'd thrown the table across the room and my two best friends were cowering behind it saying, please stop, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> having, having this release of anger or trauma or pain, uh, having that freed from the system, and this is, this is the number one key for this, for the, the, the healing the healing work to actually take place and and be a permanent thing is the ability for the person with the support of the facilitator or the guide to guide you through it hmm. you know to just to just guide you through it so that um, you know to really really set yourself up in the framework of whatever is coming up is coming out and one of my teachers in Mexico, she tell, says, you know, all the time, she says, you give your trauma a voice, it's finally heard and it no it longer needs to scream anymore. It's, it's released. <clears throat> it's like cleared out of the system. And once it's cleared out of the system, it's, it's like going to the toilet and flushing it. Once it's flushed, it's done. It's gone. You don't go, you know, digging through the sewer trying to get it back. <laughs> and this is the mistake that I see. Uh, happens with with a very small percentage of people that that go into this work. Um, you know, the, one one of my other teachers, you know, she makes it adamant in her circles that you know that there are no victims here. Don't we don't accept victims in this circle, which can be a very confronting thing for for people who have attachments to to their trauma stories or attachments to their their pain and suffering, because this work is going to bring it out. 
it's going to bring it right to the surface and put it in your face. And the skill and having the courage and the compassion for yourself to say, okay, it's time to let this go now. And when it happens, it's like, it's like that. It's like a light bulb coming on. <clears throat> and suddenly you go back out into life. Uh, some people don't even fully recall their journeys, their experiences with it. <clears throat> yeah. um, some people have, have experiences that looking from the outside of what the body is doing and the physical external compared to what's going on in the, in the inside can be com the complete opposite. Uh, you know, I've seen people come out of these journeys that during their journey, you know, they just screamed and, and yelled and flailed about and and um, then come out of it, you know, smiling and crying with joy and, and happiness. And and they're like, wow, that was the most beautiful thing. It was so peaceful or just in this, you know, this bathing in this eternal light of, of, of beauty and, and awe and wonder. And, uh, you know, they get quizzed by their friends. Do you remember screaming? They're like, what? Mm. I wasn't screaming. Was I screaming? <laughs> do you remember <laughs> moving around? What? <laughs> what do you mean? Did I move? Uh, so they've had this completely dualistic kind of experience, but on the internal, that unity consciousness experience, but on the external, it's like this shedding, these death throes, these releases of energy. Mm. But then you go, you go back out into life and suddenly... You know, you get on the, the, the integration groups and, and chats, you know, from people, you, you know, you hear them talking about, wow, you know, I had this experience with this person that used to really, really trigger me and they did their thing and they said their thing and it was like water off a duck's back. I had no response to it. I had no emotional charge or, you know, people who who have had traumatic experiences that um, like uh, one of the classic one is an example you know, a woman who who was attacked by a German shepherd as a child and had this innate terrible fear of, of dogs. And um, suddenly she had no fear of dogs. The fear had gone. And she was able to, you know, pat them and interact with them for the first time ever in her life. Mm. Wow. You know, and it's like, well, how did that happen? You know, how did that happen? <laughs> Subtle, but a profound shift and that didn't come back you know that fear didn't come back it was released through her experience and the same thing with um one of the most profound and beautiful uh amazing people that i like to to sit with and and share this this uh these experiences with uh are veterans you know and um to see you know, I've sat in so many different circles with different sort of demographics of people and, um, and you know, the, the, the usual kind of civilian, everyday people that are, you know, either experiencing this for, for their own personal reasons of self-development, exploration, or to, to work on an aspect of themselves, where it's quite a vast difference in the type of people when you're working with, with veterans that are, are usually there because that's it's like their their last ditched effort um you know i had have seen people that uh, have come into that space that are classified as super high risk suicide um on the high suicide spectrum um and, and you know in many ways they're they're ready to check out you know they're 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 happy to check out but um but you know just burdened by you know, all kinds of, of trauma from their, their childhood, what drove them into the military, up to their experiences in the military, up to, you know, all, all kinds of things. But um, 
to see the, the polarity in these people from when they come in uh, and to, you know, I've, I've made some incredible friends through, through those connections and, and, you know, still to this day, three, four years later, uh, are still profoundly shifted into, into a much, much greater, greater true aspect of themselves and, and freed from, from all that baggage that they once used to carry. And, um, and it's, it's incredible. It's incredible to see. And it's so subtle and, and amazing that it can happen through, you know, just a, a session or two mm-hmm. that they have these incredible shifts and it changes their, changes their lives forever. It's a true miracle really, isn't it? I mean, God, there's like, it's, a, it's, sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it is, it's, it's almost miraculous, but at the end of the day, they do the work. Yeah. You know, they, they do the work in the sense of, of how much energy it takes to carry this shit around with us compared to letting it go. You know, I mean, put it down to like, you know, carrying a bag of bricks, how much energy does it take to carry that bag around for your life and, and how much does it take to let it go? Hmm. You know, once it's let go of, it's like, oh, my God, why would I want to pick that up again? Yeah. But. You know, some people there's that. You know, there's always that one percent that you know they 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 feel comfortable carrying their bag of bricks, and it's part of their identity. And so, you know, that's that's where you start to see the challenges in this this these types of of medicines that some people really have a challenge with. Mm. There's like proper trauma that some people go through that can actually, you know, well. Uh, result in things like post-traumatic stress uh, disorder and actually create physical triggers and and things like that but that which i'm you know that that's just a whole nother level of of you know what veterans must must actually have to live with with real trauma responses but you know there's also kind of i guess suppose uh, not to categorize but almost like a lower level of trauma that collectively people seem to experience and so and 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 that that is like feelings of unworthiness or mistakes they've made or or uh, um i don't know lot, uh, lots of different things that lead people yeah. into these like yeah. patterns a relationship of relationship breakup totally totally <laughs> jealousy and so so <laughs> so much of it leads to this like real feeling of unworthiness and i think that's like this and and it's i feel like it's unfortunately so much more common than than um you know people really really talk talk about uh, enough this kind of yeah. there is this collective unworthiness that i mean i've i've definitely felt it at periods of my life i was lucky enough that i was kind of able to identify it and try and work on what i thought was causing it um, but you know, it, it is, and, and, and also part of that comes with these kind of life scripts that we hold so dearly and it's really hard to even understand why, but like, as you were saying so much of like these kind of, um, negative feelings or depression or various mental health disorders do subconsciously become part of our identities. And it's, and it's a weird, yeah. it's a weird thing. Cause you, th- you think of the word like ego, like it's 
prep it's pepping you up and it's like you know i'm so good at whatever but the ego can kind of attach itself to really negative things (laughs) yeah absolutely and it's it's hard to even understand from the outside why people would defend that it's hard for them to understand why they would why they would let their ego defend those kinds of stories and it's um it's almost a cruel joke that we have to like (laughs) endure a lot of the time it's like when someone tells you to be yourself like when you're young and you're trying to get like you're trying to get the girl or something and someone's like you just got to be yourself man you're like what does that mean like it's so hard to uh so hard to relate to version of myself exactly (laughs) the one that wants to sit down and play my super nintendo all day or the one that wants a girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) totally totally but yeah it is that um it i feel like some some of these experiences do enable you to I don't know whether it's taking a big step out or go through those things, but it does enable, it kind of presents the the mess in front of you, doesn't it? Plain and clearly. It just like, it shows you mm-hmm. with unambiguously mm-hmm. very direct um, ways of kind of getting to the root cause of things. And it, and it is like therapy. There There is this um, direct, I don't know, plug into this kind of, very therapeutic space i don't know what that is if that's the the serotonin rush or the dopamine rush or whatever that allows you to um stare at the trauma directly in the eye without as much fear but um i don't know it's 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 incredible being um being able to it's like a hard reset isn't it (laughs) it's like a very hard reset button And I, I describe it as it's not it's not like getting out of it. It's it's probably the greatest reality check you can have. And uh, you know, every single person on the planet is going to get this experience mm. once in a lifetime, and then they're going to have to wait a whole other lifetime to come back and get it again. You know, and and so this these having access to be able to explore these spaces. And do this work is to me is is an incredible gift that's available to you know not a lot of people. Um, and so when you go into that space, it's like man, make the most of it. You mm. know, this is this is not something you do if you are you know are afraid of of facing your demons. You know, this is not something you can be afraid of facing your demons, but that's where courage comes into it. You know, having the courage to to do that. There's no there's no such thing as courage without fear. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. you know, having the courage to look at yourself, to look at the mess, you know, to look at the dark side, um, and and then be able to let it go. You know, and, and the the word like it's like the word forgiveness. You know, to forgive yourself, to forgive, give it up. Just give it up, let mm. it go, and let go of the story, let go of the emotion, let it free, you know, and, and give it to God, yeah. and and free yourself. Uh, that's that's the healing, yeah. And then there is, you know, there, there's there's as I said, there's physical healing that does take place, and um, you know, I've seen that expressed with uh, you know, in one particular veteran that's that's a really good friend of mine. You know, he. Uh, He's got the MRI scans to prove it. You know, his, his brain damage cleared from from being blown up and discharged from the military service. And um, you know, the the look on his neurologist's face when he went and got the MRI scans done after after you know he sat with a with a, a, 
a shaman in in Mexico, and um, you know, one session they were they were blown away. Just couldn't explain it. Well, they could once he told them what uh, what had happened, and they started looking into it. But uh, you know, it opened up that whole avenue of continued research and exploration into this neurogenesis phenomenon. So there is that physical aspect, but on a on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, you know, you come you come into this to to really explore all aspects of your soul, soul, all aspects of yourself without judgment. Just free yourself of the judgment because the shit's going to come up, the demons are going to come up, and so are the angels. You know, so is the beauty, the 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 revelation of your true nature, and 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 anything that's not in resonance with that internal light is just like oil is going to be you know pushed to the surface to be let go of not to be not to be clung on to not to have a story made out of it and you know the other powerful part of this is that it it goes beyond the mind you know the the mind you know, in modern psychology it's you know we sit down and we, we try to work things through you know mental issues using you know a mind that is that is struggling you know, whereas these this kind of work, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond the mind. It clears the mind, dissolves the mind. <laughs> it dissolves the mind and goes straight to the straight to the the pain body, straight to the emotional body, mm. and uh, opens up a space for that to be to be cleared and released. Yeah. And then the fun begins. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you've you've kind of like mentioned it variously throughout the chat but um you know one big difference uh from an outsider looking in at like the 5meo or bufo experience is the physicality behind it so when someone smokes this um toad venom um as opposed to like a dm a, you know dmt experience or something that there is a a, a very physical reaction with with most people i mean i've i've experienced this once so i can't um i can't talk as uh from experience as much as someone like yourself but uh there is yeah it it does it's like a fractal of emotions as opposed to a fractal of visuals and and there is this physicality people screaming people laughing people singing people crying people just like in ecstasy and a lot of that is wriggling sometimes people get up sometimes people are very physical like you said someone threw a table across the the room or something when what so when when you're i mean it can it can look very i think for people who have never experienced anything like this it could be a very confronting thing to even witness let alone go through um but when you're working with absolutely yeah when when you're working with veterans and people of severe trauma i mean is it like kind of you know like if if you're around people going through that is it is it scary i mean like there's a physical response going directly into the pain body of someone who is in deep legitimate like i mean i can't even comprehend what a veteran would be dealing with i can't even comprehend it it's so far from i'm so lucky it's so far from my world of you know being shot at being blown up killing someone because you're told to um you know is is it scary being in the same space as someone going through that much transformation and they're very physical abled people as well (laughs) like (laughs) as i said there's no courage without fear (laughs) (laughs) so yeah look uh it's um you know they at the end of the day they're they're people and 
you know, there's one of my, my very best friends in high school. He's he's uh, ex ex military as well, and and you know, watching him go through his journey uh, into into that field, right through into protective services, federal police, and and that whole whole journey of life. Uh, I have a lot of respect for for soldiers, for for military, um, because there's you know a deep knowing plus you know my my mother's side my my grandfather was in the royal air force my um my grandmother was a was a triage nurse in world war Two, and and you know i was just brought up with that general basic level of respect and and i see them as ultimately yeah that you know they they're, they're just people too but um you know many of them have gone into this military service as as young men and women with the intent to protect and defend their families and their country and to die doing it if need be you know so when you really boil it down to it's it's quite an honorable thing to know mm. that there are these people in society that will say dory jack you can stay home and be a podcaster i'm going to make sure that no one can come and you know yeah come and, come and harm you yeah, you know, absolutely. and I'll die to protect you. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So when you when you can frame it in that way, and sure enough, you know, there's 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 plenty of other people who you know probably enter that space from you know with different intentions, but um, on a, when when you boil it down and see that you know this is this is you know a really noble thing. Uh, and then to be able to, you know, sit down in circles with these people and witness them and, and share their experiences with them and, and come out the other side and, you know, they're sitting in circle holding hands, praying for a world where people like them aren't needed, hmm. you know, to where, where we don't have a need for, for war, where we don't have a need for, for you know, people, people to do that work anymore. Um, but, um, again, it's... You know, there's the met a beautiful, uh, huge dude, uh, an ex ex Navy SEAL, and and uh, in one of the circles we sat down together, and you know he shared, you know, from one of his his other experiences at, at one of the clinics, the, the trials in Mexico, and and you know I'd been warned about um, you know sitting in circles with with veterans that um, you know particularly. The special forces guys, Navy SEALs, you know, they're trying to kill with their hands, and mm, yeah. And this particular, this particular ex-Navy SEAL, you know, shared a story of you know he threw the facilitator through the window and tried to kill him uh, in in the clinic, mm. and uh, had to be fully restrained and and um, and just lucky that they had a couple other Navy SEALs in the building to to contain him, mm. you know. So uh, and he was he was. Uh, you know, really, he he. What he described was that onset of an ego death kicking in, and he felt like he was dying, and so his survival military training kicked in. It was just like get the fuck out of there, you know, mm. escape, and, and um, that meant getting through the adversary. <laughs> um, but um, on the whole, I think you know, seeing that there is an intelligence here, and um, and a, and a deep soul agreement when people come in with that intention to heal. Um, as I said, they do the work themselves. So um, 
on a personal personal level, I've never never seen any expressions of violence from them. Uh, contrary to you know, I've I've had conversations with with facilitators you know uh, that that don't work with them for that fear for that reason of of just too risky, but um, uh, I've seen more more magic and more incredible profound shifts uh, in in that community, and and once they once they get a feel for it and and develop that that comfort um they get quite excited about the you know the experience because of the profound effects it has um a lot of them also share uh you know their experiences because they come together you know like in a group and and it's like having that brotherhood back together what they missed from the the beautiful things that they missed about being in military service was you know their camaraderie ship and their their uh you know their their um you know, connection with each other of being in life-threatening scenarios, you know, life or death scenarios, and they've got to have each other's back and they've got to support each other. And and now here they are, you know, egging each other on to see who can drop into the ego death state quickest, <laughs> you know, and having each other's backs and encouraging each other and supporting each other and, you know, really being there for each other. And at the same time, witnessing each other lose their fucking shit, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever that looks like. Um, but what you, you said earlier, you know, of, of what you, what you witnessed, uh, yeah, everyone, everyone releases energy in a different way. And I think that's, that's the thing for, for me, you know, it's, it's through breath, you know, so I don't move, but I breathe, I go into pretty heavy, heavy duty breathing. And I, I'm not even aware of that until usually on the tail end when I'm, I'm coming out of the experience. Uh, and that's, that's common for people. You know, so for me, you know, I do a daily breathwork practice that actually got me into breathwork because I realized, hey, this is how my body releases tension. Hmm. Right. So I do a, I do a regular breathwork session every day and it keeps me really, really calm for other people. You know, it may be in a primal screaming, you know, you get the screamers. Other people, you get movement and dance even. You know, hmm. I've seen people dance and I've seen people shadow box. Yeah. You know, I've seen... Um, I was sat in an amazing circle not long ago with an ex-professional Muay Thai fighter, and to see this, you know, in the depth of the medicine, this this incredible man like doing these outrageous forms of Muay Thai and Kung Fu, and like, and he wasn't even aware of it, mm. <laughs> you know. And he's about that's how it it came came out of him, and. Um, you know, just seeing even the jaws dropping on the other people in the circle, just sort of watching this expression of of uh, of how how this happens and how this comes through. Um, but uh, it can teach you, you know, if that's your thing. You know, if screaming, primal screaming, is what you do when you drop into these journeys. And you know, if you're really feeling stressed, you don't need to you don't need to sit in a ceremony and go for a walk in the in the forest and scream your lungs out. You know, mm. just get it out. Do your primal screaming or or go for a run or do a do some mutai kung fu you know forms or whatever it is that it can teach you that your body is showing you this is this is how you clear energy out of your system you know take it as a take it as a really good guide a really authentic guide um, and i've seen that over and over and over again for people mm. that have been able to do that and for some people i you know i call it the buddha journey yeah where they're just still 
Mm. Nothing. Mm. You know, barely even breathing, just stillness, stillness, stillness. Yeah, they're the meditators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they come out, they come out. So like, do you ever meditate? No. I said you should. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be good at it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, yeah it's 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 interesting yeah my my one experience which i uh experienced last year um i yeah my actual recollection of it is kind of hazy um i kind of remember the going into it coming out of it i remember various things but yeah they're kind of the actual experience i can't even i, I have a very difficult time even articulating but um Two, uh, probably about two weeks after, this is just, yeah, me personally, I felt like I was glowing. I was really happy. It was like a, uh, it was a gift to show you how good you can feel. Um, it was the gift of love, of actually like dipping into the infinite nectar of gooey love and actually allowing yourself to be there um, is, which so often we don't even even we don't even allow ourselves to kind of feel that i don't know why <laughs> but um coming out of that just made me so much pr more present for uh a couple of weeks after just noticing things breathing taking things slowly seeing the beauty in everything smiling more and then i had a a big weekend and i had a friday night and a saturday night backed up with just hitting the booze um and a lot of party shenanigans and i had a great time it was a really fun weekend but then on the sunday monday when you're kind of feeling a bit dusty that glow was gone it was just it had left and i just felt back to kind of normal it was a it was like a two-week mild high and uh yeah as a direct response of that i decided to it was a big reason of taking a year off the booze which i'm currently doing and um yeah i mean doing a psychedelic getting a psychedelic kick up the bum and it, it wasn't even like a if you keep drinking you'll you know this will happen it was more it was the opposite it was showing what's possible showing like how good things can be just just by being and um i've been kind of trying to wean off the booze for the last few years so it wasn't out of the blue um but yeah i've um for me it was kind of like if the decision's easy to make if there's a if there's an odd difficult decision that's easy to to make in your life just make it and at that point in time just putting down the booze was and that was kind of it it was it was a decision that happiness and and love is is more important than the uh than the repetitive hangovers that I uh, and dehydration that I put my body through. Um, you know, having said that, I'm not being like all high and mighty and, you know, booze is the devil. Booze is great. It's a wonderful social lubricant. I've had so much good times and I'll probably, I don't know, very, very easily might go back after this year. I don't know. And just try and deal with it a lot more slowly. But um, I don't know. I feel like that was the first, the first, I've done quite a few psychedelics. And I feel like that was the first time I saw this direct, um, you know, you read about psychedelics helping addiction and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And it's and yeah. that was the, my, uh, the first time I really had a direct experience where it just wasn't even difficult to kind of have, have this break. And um, 
yeah, I don't know. Really, really grateful. Really grateful for the experience. But yeah. Yeah, well, that's that definitely touches on to the yeah the addiction breaking quality that uh, yeah the bufo seems to have, and and this is actually how it became prominent again in uh, in in the tribes of the Sonoran Desert, using it as a tool to to get kids off off meth and crack, right, um, and uh, for breaking that cycle because. You know, from the sounds of things, like with with your own journey, it's not it's not uncommon for the the memory to be patchy of the experience, particularly of the the breakthrough experiences. Um, that's that's really quite common because sort of when the mind goes offline, you, you tend to lose, uh, especially for the first first couple of times, you tend to lose the the memory of the experience. Uh, however the the emotional energy that gets released can you know that what comes out in that screaming or what comes out in that movement or or whatever the release what comes out with those tears and that crying or the heavy breathing whatever it is as i said earlier it's like it's beyond the limits of the mind it's beyond the mental construct it's like just opening it up letting the emotional energy out so let's just say hypothetically in your case you know part of that release was the release of of the release of some of the social anxiety, the release of whatever emotions, energies that you know you used uh, alcohol for as a coping mechanism or as a you know for whatever reason that it was being used is no longer there anymore. You know, it's like it's it's being cleared out. You might not know what it was. Do you really need to know what it was, yeah. or would you just attach to another story? Maybe it's better that way. Yeah, you know, it's like going in for surgery, anesthetic. You know, not being aware and awake while they're cutting you open. Do you yeah. really need to see that? <laughs> you know, probably not. Um, but um, you know, and then and then going back out there and and into life and suddenly feeling this this lightness. You know, this this high frequency lightness of of your own consciousness, your own soul sort of shining through. And um, and that's what I say, you know, giving people those glimpses of, of your more authentic state, you know, giving you a, a week of being in a, in a more true authentic state without, without the burdens or the, the, the baggage of toxicity in your system, being, let's say being, you know, alcohol or, or without the, you know, the, the baggage so, yeah, like a clear, clear slate, you know, like a clean, clear slate emotionally. <clears throat> and then we go out and we, you know, we get on it and have a big night and run ourselves into the ground and, and you know, <clears throat> overdo it a bit with the, with the alcohol and, and wake up the next morning going, oh, my God, I feel poisoned. Why did I do that to myself? <laughs> right, and now suddenly uh, you've got those. Now you've got some new stress in the body. Now you've got some new, you know, <laughs> bit of a, you know, self-shame or, or yeah. flagellation or yeah, however yeah. you want to look at it. Why did I do that? You know, yeah. <laughs> now you've, you've, you know, you've picked up a few bricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, um, <laughs> That you can, uh, you know, then take as an opportunity to go, okay, so, you know, maybe I'll just go out and have a good cry or maybe I'll go do some breath work or, you know, maybe I'll do some do some work on myself to, to mm. clear this out and making a conscious choice to say, you know, I'm going to give this a break. I'm going to give this a break for a year. I think that's that's amazing. And that's that's where the, 
you know, that's where the adventure comes into it of, you know, where this, what this can open up for you uh, and these states because it, it is exactly like you said, you know, it shows you something, it shows you an experience of being that what we call normal, suddenly it's like, wow, this is, <clears throat> this is different. You know, this is different, but I like it. You know, I like it. I like feeling this way. I like being this way. Um, and it's, it becomes more and more magical in the sense of, you know, as you tap into that space within yourself more and more, that's, that's where you start to recognize, wow, there is, there is a real authentic, beautiful, miraculous power here, you know, and it's, and it's divine in nature, you know, it is, is to me, it's, it's the ultimate essence of, of creation of, of our own souls, our own connection to source consciousness. And, you know, that's, that's where the other side of this, this sort of work and experience and, and, you know, my inquiry of, of study through experience has, has really been of, <clears throat> okay, what can we do with this? You know, what, what can we learn from this, these spaces and, you know, going in with different intentions where, you know, the, the, opening that gateway into into unity consciousness what does what does that actually mean you know and i think you know when you people who have had a dabble with this you know they have an experience that they describe as you know this unity consciousness experience of being in this enlightened samadhi nirvana kind of state but um you know what else what else does that mean and you know, for me, it has been has opened up incredible pathways to to empathy and understanding of of um, other people in my life. Uh, and if I could just throw out there, like just just you know, imagine if you could become another person for a moment. You know, actually be them, hmm. experience them, everything. You know, and uh, also even outside of time, something that happened in the past, you know, what was that person going through? Why did they behave that way towards me or whatever into that intention and then becoming them, you know, for that moment and experiencing that? What does it mean to, you know, what if you you could have an experience of, of literally becoming, you know, the eagle that you see flying through the air? You know, what would that be like but to actually have it, to actually experience it? You know, what would it be like to to tap into and become you know planetary consciousness mm. you know what beyond the concept of human you know human awareness but to to be able to access those those sorts of states of consciousness what would that do for the human condition mm. you know how would we start to relate to life and each other differently if we were able to able to you know share in this these kinds of experiences more and you know to me these are these are innate gifts that we have you know i've experienced them outside of medicine but uh with working with the medicine seeing this as a as a as a tool like training wheels uh to to show us this and beyond even physicality you know what is it like to be in the consciousness of a light being hmm. you know or, or what is what is you know the, the future consciousness of humanity becoming? You know what's that like? What's it like to be in the the, the consciousness of a, of an ant? What's it, you know it's just 
where do you want to go with this? Mm. Where do you want to go in multidimensional reality? Yeah. Time and space. I mean, it's like opening up complete access to this phenomena that we hear people call the Akashic Records, mm. you know, to be anything, anywhere, at any point in time and space beyond the, the physical as well. You know, it's it's infinite, infinite. What a playground. Yeah. You know, what an incredible playground. And this is where, you know, the, the humility of coming into these experiences comes through of not just on the healing side, but having the humility to, you know, face your shit, let it out, you know, be vulnerable, you know, get it out of your system, let it go, forgive and, and just let it out. And then, you know, the humility to recognize that our minds, our egos really are not in control of everything, have, have a very limited capacity for understanding, um, you know, the natures and phenomenons of reality. And that maybe, you know, the, the purpose of the ego is really to celebrate life, to be the child of consciousness, mm. to get on with doing the doing rather than trying to control the controlling. And, um, you know, we don't have to we don't have to sit there obsessing over when the, you know, when the fruit's going to pop out of the tree because we're hungry. You know, we just need to find the fruit that's there and pick it and eat it, you know. Mm. Mm. So it's a, yeah, incredible, incredible gift. All of it. Couldn't agree more. Um, When you're going into all these different realms and meeting metaphysical entities and, you know, the the impossible presents itself, have you ever found yourself getting lost in in the new world and deciphering what to focus your importance on, whether it's the metaphysical realms or the psychedelic realms uh, compared to the actual physical realms? Or have you ever kind of found, you know, there's, there's the spiritual ego can kind of reinvent itself in a, in a you know, uh, can be a, just as egotistic with all your beads and all your dressing like a messiah not you just people and you know what i mean like oh and uh, I've, I've met many people that will tell me with certainty that yes beings exist and i know and blah 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 and there there is uh you know i've i've met people that will put more importance on the um the other realms than this realm um have you ever had have you had yeah. an experience down your journey of that kind of yeah look <laughs> One of my one of my favorite uh, apostles of the the Christian text was Thomas, <laughs> doubting Thomas. You know, he was always questioning Jesus about, you know, the the validity of things and if it was real, and you know, hmm. uh, thus doubting Thomas. And um, you know, I think there's I think there's a really really good place in this work for healthy self um, self. Uh, self-doubt healthy self-doubt in the sense of question everything question everything one thing for me i've i've learned with absolute certainty (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little bit of certainty (laughs) is that you know everything we think we know uh even in physics and maths and science everything every single piece of information that's ever been written uh all of it you know, it, it has all come through the construct of the mind and therefore, you know, it it uh, has to be weighed up with healthy scepticism of, of uh, recognising that, yes, it could be the truth, but it's probably not the whole truth. 
Right. You know, and we can see that in the, even in the evolution of the science, sciences, you know, of, of things that we thought, you know, 100 years ago, we thought the sun was a giant ball of burning coal hmm. because that was the modern energy technology of the day, coal. You know, hmm. a big burning ball of coal that someone threw a match at at some stage and caught fire. Um, that was only 100 years ago, you know. So now we, you know, we believe it to be, you know, a, a giant ball of helium and, and hydrogen gas burning. Is it? What are we going to discover in another hundred years' time? Mm. You know, so and and that's the same applies to any of these spiritual experiences of or visits or, or visitations with with other forms of consciousness uh, in those states and and insights and learnings um, that can be so profound and so so real, but. They're, they're still being filtered through the mind once we come back to ourselves, you know, of trying to make sense of, of what, what that meant uh, or what that entity communicated to us or said. Um, and uh, you know, I share this really interesting story, um, which uh, has, has two, two sort of sides of this. Um, I, I used to do a lot of investment work into into exotic technologies and and stuff and uh, and travelled around the world looking at all these different technologies and and at the same time was doing had my foot in both worlds and and was doing um, you know a lot of metaphysics work and all that sort of stuff and um, I remember coming across this inventor who was was literally uh, uh, proposed he'd been. Uh, contacted by interdimensional beings that had given him the blueprints for a spaceship and <laughs> uh, for a ufo right how to make a ufo this is what i'm and talking about it's vitally important <laughs> yeah yeah it's great <laughs> i love this shit <laughs> it's always a good story <laughs> and um you know he was insisting that you know these these entities had made contact and were coming through to him through his dreams and insights and and had given him the blueprints of this this craft and they said that every person on the planet needed to needed to have access to this technology and it was vital for the changes that were coming up in the planet and all this sort of stuff and it's like oh you know you hear this you know the, the, the story of you know we've come to help mm. you need this so we, we're giving it to you you know mm. and uh, so he got to work on building and constructing this thing um now if you took a look at his blueprints and his plans and his designs and everything and you also got the work of, uh, if you remember, a guy called Dronvelo Melchizedek. No. Who, but... uh, who, you have never heard of him? No. Well, he was quite a few years ago. He, um, he brought the, the concept of, of the Merkabah, the light body right. vehicle, sort of back into the mainstream spiritual community, got gotcha. downloads from his guides about you know, building the energy field, the mandala, the mm. Merkabah of the, of the human body, basically uh, using geometric grid forms and everything to, through visualization, to uh, create an energetic field within yourself. So basically, it's almost like the the Vajra, the diamond body of of Hindu, you know, mm. of, of the Vedic teachings of of basically creating a field of energy anchored in the heart space, anchored in love that was so strong that you become the effector of reality. You don't get affected by the emotional energies of other people. You have a diamond body. So it's like your energy field is resonating at this high frequency, like what you described, you experience, but being able to hold it 
mm. you know, being able to hold it, not, not losing it. So keeping that frequency going, no matter what's going on around you. And you look at these two bodies of work from one from a scientist and one from a new age spiritualist, right? And they're building the same thing. So one's interpreted it as building a, you know, a physical craft and the other one's interpreting it as, as building uh, an energetic field, which is probably more aligned to, if you have enough experience dealing with multidimensional entities, you know, they're usually not into building, you yeah. know, building uh, <laughs> physical objects, <laughs> but they're into, you know, these, you know, these, these more energetic, energetic concepts. Mm. But um, I think, you know, people can have experiences and attach to them creating stories around them, you know, and at the end of the day, I think you have to have to look at it as well. You know, is, is that adding any kind of value to your life and the life of others? Are you, able, you know, like the story I shared with you about the, the rabbits, you know, um, you know, that, that's a story, you know, mm. that I, that I got to experience. Was it because, you know, I meditated on a rabbit for a week and, and that's what happened uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was all just coincidence. But to me, that's how it happened, and it did. You know, it set me up on a path to to really explore um, the phenomenon of 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 working in the shamanic practices. Um, and you know, I've I've certainly you know met those you know people who, yeah, well, can be absolutely adamant. You know that they've had this meditation and they met these 11th dimensional guides who told them this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and all this stuff and channeled, you know, and, um, and, and, and say it with absolute certainty as if it's unquestionable truth. And, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at, uh, you know, channeled materials and uh, exploring that realm as well. And, and again, it, if it's coming through the mind, it's it's being it's being filtered and interpreted, you know, by the mind, <clears throat> you know, and the mind only has a certain amount of, of a palette to to put together these concepts, and it's like trying to step down insights and information through other forms of consciousness that um, you know may operate in very different ways to to the human experience. So the the mind becomes the inf- interface between it. So I think it's it's detrimental. I believe to to really attach to you know, any of any of anything with absolute this is how it is when you're coming when you're coming from the mind <clears throat> you can have an experience and go I know what I experienced and this was the experience I had okay that's yeah that's your experience that is that's your your experience of it but when it comes to you know knowledge and information uh my belief, and again, this is this is just my belief, is that it's all belief. Yeah, you know, truth. Truth is truth, whether we know it at all. There is truth. There is fundamental truths, and there is the truth of of everything. But the human mind uh, is a factory of beliefs, you know. And it's we we're trying to understand these incredible deep aspects of truth, and we we get close to it's a bit like. It's a bit like the Fibonacci, hmm. the spiral. It you know, oscillates around perfection, but never quite gets there. Hmm. You know? But it gets closer and closer and closer and closer. <laughs> but you're dealing with an infinite spiral that's just going to keep spiraling around. And I think that's the truth. We're yeah. just going to keep going round and round. That's not to say there's, there's anything bad or, or wrong about that. 
I think it just it just again brings us back into that space of humility of and gives us permission be the children that we actually are. You know, we are we are children of you know a creative consciousness that is so profound and and is is founded and rooted in the the highest expression of of love and creativity and you know i think our our role here is is not to try to work it all out but to experience to play and to you know tap into these these natural flows these natural flows and and ways of being Hmm. you know for for our own growth and evolution on a on a personal level and on a collective level and enjoy the ride this is this is the thing enjoy the ride that's that's what we signed up for yeah i believe yeah Ah, (laughs) resonates very uh, strongly with me for sure um do you believe in god yes yeah what what but not uh... <laughs> what is God to you? Like I mean, th- I mean that's the kind of biggest question. Is like what what is what is your understanding of that word or the meaning of that? Um, I asked when when I had that experience, that first uh, breakthrough endogenous experience, and and met my my. Uh, guides my my sister guides and my ancestral guide uh, and had that experience that was one of my questions that came up of like okay what's what's god and uh i want to you know i was 22 year old freaking ceo i wanted to speak to the ceo of heaven but <laughs> 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 so, well, yeah just go straight to the top right you know i don't want to mess around with the desk clerk and the, the you know the pa i want to speak to the head honcho i love that <laughs> you know, who's this god character <laughs> and um and the guidance that came through was like you're not going to understand any of this, you know, you're not going to understand, you're not going to understand. And, um, and uh, so I went through this experience and, and got this, this communion, this, this download and um, about my life and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, the, the, the ancestor guide that was there, he shared a lot of information with me about my, my father's upbringing which I had no knowledge about beforehand. And, and he said to me, he said, you're not going to believe this, which I wasn't. I thought it was just all happening a figment of my imagination in my head. He said, you know, you're not going to believe any of this. You're going to think this is just a dream. He goes, you go speak to your, your father about what I've shared with you and he'll, he'll confirm. And he said, you know, you, you, you need to take this seriously, that this is, this is a reality. What your experience is a reality. You're not, you know, you're not just making this up. So I was like, okay, okay, sure, I'll do that, and um, which I did. I did end up going and, and checking it all out. But after we went through went through this this experience, I'm like, okay, you know, I was I was just felt myself like, okay, I'm done. I, I can't, you know, time to time to leave this space and and get back to my body, and um, wanted to speak to God, and. <clears throat> In the experience, everything just the vision that I was having, and and the visuals, and the connection with these these beings in spirit, all just dissolved away into complete into complete darkness, and um, and I began to really experience this sense of of timeless like time distortion, 
And um, <clears throat> then uh, I experienced only what I could describe as like a blackout or like falling asleep and then waking up again and still being in this just emptiness, just black, just void. And, um, and then trying to remember like you know, who I was and what was, where was I, you know, what was, was going on. And then I'd, I'd remember and I'd, I'd be trying to feel into my body. It was like I, I started to feel like I was in a, in a coma. I'd put myself into a coma and then um, would felt, you know, all kinds of emotions and, and anxiety about, you know, just, just being trapped in this space. And then I'd, again, fall unconscious, come, come back into consciousness. But when I say consciousness, it's just consciousness is presence, not as any connection to a body or form. And, um, and again, go through this process of remembering, you know, quote unquote, who I was. And uh, this went on for what felt like just a long time, like so long that I, I really thought that was it. I'd, I'd done some, some sort of damage to myself or had somehow trapped myself into this, this cycle and began to freak out internally, like scream, you know, <laughs> like try to wake myself up and snap myself out of it. And, um, and eventually I calmed myself down. I, thought, I just thought, I'd, I'd lost consciousness again and came to and trying to remember who I was again and then remembering. And then I just re was like, okay, how did I get here? How did I get here? And I retraced my steps, retraced my steps. And, and so I was able to retrace my steps back through the whole experience back to, you know, that I was, I was meditating on the couch. And so I thought, okay, that's what I'll do. And I, and I remember just, it was like dropping dropping all everything and just going back inside myself. And when I went, as soon as I did that, it was like an explosion of fractals, an explosion of fractals, which then turned into all these patterns of, but like I'm talking like super high frame rate, uh, all these patterns of faces and they were faces of, of insects, animals, people, you know, stuff alien looking stuff stuff that i'd never even seen before but like all these this you know like a thousand frames per second kind of um uh visions of of all these different faces and um and it was like this this download of of these are the faces of god and then they they as they, they kept flashing through, they began to deteriorate into galaxies and then from galaxies into solar systems and solar systems into planetary bodies. And, and uh, then it was like, boom, the next thing I knew I was, I was, I literally was thrown up into the air out of the, out of the chair. Like I was so keen to move that I just <laughs> propelled myself up and landed on my feet. I couldn't feel my feet. I was crying. I was like completely blown out. Like what the, was that <laughs> and um and went outside into the sun and had this big big sea eagle flying around you know the 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 backyard right over the top of me in a circle and it was just making this noise like this coring and and um all i heard was now you know now you know now <laughs> you know but it left me in this this wow. you know sat there thinking you know, what what's god you know, who is God? What the fuck was that? You know, and, uh, 
you know, cut cut forward, you know, fifteen years uh, from from uh, you know that experience and really, you know, starting to to get some traction and and uh, and movement on on my own understanding of of divine nature and and unity consciousness. You know, once upon a time we thought God was a king sitting in a cloud with you know angels and heavens, you know, because that was you know the the culture of the day you know that was that was the the idea of what power and uh you know the benevolent king you know in the court of heaven you know now you know in in today's culture and society we have you know so many different you know you know science is is considered a god to some you know we have religions that you know have their different types of gods and and ideas of God and the divine. Um, but I think ultimately, as we do this level of inquiry within ourselves, we can't we we start to see that you know we're we're all we're all expressions of that God consciousness. We are all expressions of of God consciousness and and uh, you know it's like the, the classic namaste or in Lakeshalakin, you know, to see the divine in another. You know, and to see myself as another expression, another you, you know, who is ultimately the you that unites us all outside of time and space. You know, we, we are all one consciousness, you know. So I see this idea of God in my limited belief structure of a human mind <laughs> as being that, that totality, that totality of, of, uh, of unified consciousness. <clears throat> and it's lonely. <laughs> you know, and outside of God, there's nothing. There's just dark. There's nothing. You know, even the darkness wasn't darkness. It was just nothing. It was void. It was emptiness. And uh, you know that that experience of wanting to meet God, <laughs> of, of demanding, oh, I want to speak to the CEO of heaven. You know, um, yeah, just it just sparked that understanding, which took me a while to. It did take me a while to really integrate it. But the, the understanding was, yeah, outside of it. No one can see God because there's nothing outside of God to see it. Mm. So God can never be seen, only be experienced. And, uh, and that's, that's something I think we all have access to when we go within those, those spaces within ourselves and through the heart space, that, that space of love, that space of great love, unconditional love, that, that we, find, we find the frequency, we find the channel, we find the bandwidth you know, to connect in with that greater consciousness. And it is way beyond the human mind. But we have another part of ourselves that's built for that connection, you know, and for the mind to be able to experience it and, and really, really flow with it and work with it and, and be the child of that higher consciousness. Wow, beautifully put, mate. <laughs> I think that sums it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, that was awesome. Uh, I think, yeah, and it's beautiful. I, yeah, almost like a, what water is to the ocean, you know? Every drop of rain could be interpreted as a different soul and uh, it all ends up together as one big ocean. <laughs> yeah, and yet still the drop at the same time. Yeah, yep. You know, right down to the molecules, Yeah. right down to the atoms and all the space in between. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Adion, you uh, definitely get me to that heart space. And uh, for that, I, I thank you very much. <laughs>
Oh, not a problem, Jack. It's, yeah. uh, no, it's been good. Yeah, it's, it's been, been wonderful. Good chat. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you so much um, for making the time. And um, yeah, I think it's like, I don't know. I got a lot from that chat. I really did. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to, good to be able to share some stories, share some beliefs. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> share some experiences. Uh, and look, if, if anything, you know, I, I encourage anyone to, you know, if, if, Life is is challenging you, particularly, you know, life has been very challenging for people these last couple of years and, you know, there's been lots of confusion and and uh, lots of collective anxiety. You know, do my encouragement to, you know, people at this time is really to find the time to go into that stillness, find the, find the time to, to come back, back to yourselves and... Um, and find what works for you, you know, not, uh, not all plant medicines and these, these sort of experiences, you know, are right for everyone, depending on where, you know, what time, you know, where they're at in their life, but start building solid foundations, you know, of, of, of simple things in life that can provide a, a stronger and stronger and stronger foundation for, for people to explore these states uh, without being able to lose themselves in it, and I think that's a you know that's a a pretty wise path to follow that I was I was guided to very early on in this piece by some amazing teachers and and uh, just keep building that foundation and and yeah understanding that ultimately it's rooted in in compassion and and love and forgiveness forgiveness of ourselves forgiveness of each other and and uh, not to take it all so seriously <laughs> couldn't agree more <laughs> thank you Adion. you're you're awesome man really you're great always so so great to talk to you and um and thank you everyone so much for listening um is there any kind of plugs or anything or do you want people to find you or do you want people just to to leave you leave you be <laughs> <laughs> look people can, can find me on facebook or uh um uh yeah that's probably the you know the easiest thing you know i don't i don't tend to talk too much about these subjects on on that platform but um yeah if people want to reach out and and have a chat we can take it offline onto you know direct phone call or something like that um but um yeah look apart from that let's just see see where where things go is this really really lovely to be invited to to connect and share uh, my experiences and and hopefully you know it's reached a few people that can benefit from it and, and uh, hopefully clear any confusions up around this space <laughs> for sure <laughs> thank you brother and um thanks everyone for listening take care bye